Welcome to Sex Ed with DB. I'm your host, DB. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the podcast. If you love and support the work that we do, head to www.sexedwithdb.com and buy some of our hot new merch. Follow us on Instagram at sexedwithdbpodcast. And if you want to advertise with us, shoot us an email at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. Today's episode is a blast from the past with an old pal of mine and incredibly talented musician, Freddie Seipold. Freddie is a Bay Area-based singer-songwriter, performer, and digital activist. Their April release of their debut EP, Melanin Monroe, has amassed over 300,000 streams and has been featured by Billboard, Grindr, Them, and The Bay Bridged. Freddie is a genre and gender-fluid artist, often incorporating their love of drag and hip-hop into their work. Listen up for Freddie. Fun fact number one, did you know that Uberlube works underwater, making it great for fun in pools, lakes, and tubs? Fun fact number two, Uberlube is latex compatible, so it's safe and effective to use with condoms. And fun fact number three, a small amount of Uberlube can be applied anywhere to prevent daily chafing, not just when exercising. These fun facts are brought to you by Uberlube. Use promo code SEXEDDB for 10% off your purchase with free shipping at www.uberlube.com. Ever wish you had an exact replica of your gorgeous parts? Well, now you can make one yourself, thanks to Clonawilly. Clonawilly and Clonapussy are DIY molding kits that allow anyone to make an exact replica of any penis or vulva at home into a high-quality sex toy or memento. Use promo code SEXED20 for 20% off your purchase at www.clonawilly.com. Follow them on Instagram at clonawillykit. Hello, Freddie. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thank you. How are you doing tonight? I'm great. It's so great to see your face and hear your voice. You are like lighting up the room with your smile. So cute and sweet. <laughs> Thank you. Um, it has been years since we last conversed. Would you ages. not agree? Yeah, ages. A dog's it, age. It really has. It's like a whole other <laughs> lifetime, it feels. I know. Like at least like over five years, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, oh my gosh. And for those of you who are listening, um, who don't know this, because why would you? Um, Freddie and I met at Berkeley in college together. And Freddie, you were in, at the time, the all-men's acapella group, and then I was in the all-women's acapella group, and we were mingling, and we sang together sometimes, and it was so cute and sweet. And I think I think I graduated two years before you, or were you two years yeah. younger than me? I graduated year, 2014. I graduated 2017. Okay, three years. Okay, okay. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Very fun. Yeah. And yeah, how do you, how do you first do you, I don't even remember when we like first met, but I just remember you being I, so like sweet and talented and amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, I, I believe it was probably at an Octones party, <laughs> like a barbecue or something. Uh-huh. Um, I just have a lot of memories of us having like those little like get togethers 
um, with Octet, which is the group that I was in in the Overtones, which is the group that you were in for the listeners at home. For the listeners at home. <laughs> um, so I definitely, I remember, um, yeah, just we, we, you know, we were, yeah, it was like we're sibling acapella groups. So it was really cool, like, to have that dynamic and to just, like, be able to interact with, um, like, have that kind of relationship with another acapella group. So we just, you know, we were, we were vibing. in this space together. We were vibing. <laughs> um, yes, and it has been... Such a pleasure to see, I mean, we're going to get into this, but it's been such a pleasure to see your music grow over the past couple years and just really see what you have been putting out into the world. And I can't wait to get into it and learn more, but um, that's neither here nor there. Um, let's, let's get started by you sharing your name and your pronouns and share what you do. Absolutely. So for those who don't know, my <laughs> name is Freddie Seipold. Uh, my pronouns are they, them. I am a musician, drag performer, cultural worker, um, is what the kids say these days. I was going to say uh, Gen Z. That's got to be a Gen Z term. It's a Gen Z term. <laughs> um, based in the San Francisco Bay Area, predominantly Oakland, Berkeley, and San Francisco. Amazing. Um, and were you born in the Bay? I wasn't. Uh, a lot of I've, I've managed to like fool people into thinking that <laughs> You I'm really did here. trick me. I thought you were from I, Oakland. <laughs> I like because my social media was East Bay Vicious for the longest time and everyone was like Bay Area native. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, well, I'm, first of all, I'm not indigenous. So <laughs> totally fair. no natives here. Um, no, I was born in Mississippi, actually. You were. Did you grow yeah. up there? No, I moved around hella um, to put it as the Bay Area people might say. <laughs> I lived in Southeast Texas. I lived in Southern California for a lot. Um, but actually, the Bay Area is the longest I've stayed in one spot, so I call this home 100%. Got so it. it's not all just trickery. I do actually, like, claim <laughs> the Bay Area. Everyone, like, all the journalists are like, oh, fuck, we gotta, like, change everything. Switch it up. <laughs> uh, okay, so what is your background? So clearly you've moved around a lot. Maybe, you know, you've had a lot of different influences for your music, but how did you get into music? Like, do you have, like, a first memory of, like you know, first singing or playing an instrument? And like, how did you how did you become who you are as a performer? Yeah, and that's such a like, that is like a very interesting question. Um, I feel like there's I, I it's such it's hard, it's difficult to answer in one very specific way. Um, you know, growing up, when I lived with my mother, she is kind of an old soul. And me and my little, my little sister are kind of old souls when it comes to music, we grew up on a lot of like classic uh, R&B, um, Brian McKnight, Boys to Men. Um, those were like staples. Mariah Carey, um, Tony Braxton. Those were staples for me growing up. Um, and so I definitely remember from the earliest age on trying to sing like them. Um, so that was a really big um, kind of inspiration for me. Uh, for a little while, my mom tried to start a little singing group with me and my siblings. I have one full sister and two half siblings. Um, and we all live together with us four. And so there was a moment when we were doing like the choreography and we were kind of doing the whole. Oh Jackson my God. So cute. I was the only one who really like, I think was into it, into it. They were all like kind of, I, I think just thrown into it, but I love performing. Um, I wanted to be a magician, a magician when I was a kid. Oh my God. Fantastic. Um, I just so love like sweet. magic. Uh, so I guess I realized that art was like the closest thing to magic for me. You can just kind of create something from nothing. Um, so I, I like performing. I like singing for people, even though I 
honestly was not that good for the longest time and everyone knew it and it was a secret that was kept from me <laughs> uh, and then I just like I just like did it so much and then I, I was in all the talent shows and I performed as much as I could until eventually I like I don't know I just built up the the confidence and the chops and they say about the 10,000 hours you do it long enough you you eventually get to a place where you're you're good so I feel like that happened eventually I just practiced a lot so that is so real I feel like a lot of people have this misconception about singing and about music that like oh you're just kind of like born with that talent and for some people that might be true but I really do feel for myself also like the more I practice and like hone my craft like the better I actually feel like I sound and I feel like building that like muscle memory to like Uh hit, hit those notes or kind of like vibrato or whatever like technique Uh you're working on like can only be better with more and more practice a hundred percent I don't believe in talent honestly like like flat out I think that with when it comes to singing and this is what I tell everybody people that I'm like teaching how to sing people who come to me with the same questions like oh I wish I could sing and I'm like well you can literally do it right now and then they're like oh no I'm scared and I'm like well that's your problem you're scared you're so afraid to sing and afraid of getting embarrassed that you never end up do singing and then you don't practice. And so you, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You just don't end up like, you know, making any progress. So I always encourage people to just be shameless. I have been really quite shameless my whole life. <laughs> I love it. That's, that's amazing. I, and very smart to conquer your fear. I feel like stage fright is probably a big reason why people choose not to perform or do whatever, yeah. you know, kind of art they're into. Mm-hmm. surprisingly I think being on stage is when I feel the most comfortable now because I have like social anxiety personal personally um so it's easier to kind of like step in on stage and kind of have everything laid out um and just kind of like let it go so. oh, beautiful what a release that's amazing mm-hmm. okay let's get into your music so your new EP new ish I mean it came out over the summer Um, Uh but it's called Melanin Monroe and Mm -hmm. I just, and I told you this before we started recording, so you know, I'm not (laughs) lying. I really just love it so much. I just feel like there's so much heart and soul and like fun in it. Mm -hmm. And I would, I would want to know from you, what do you feel like the essence of it is and what, what was your songwriting process like? Yeah, I would say the essence of it. It's kind of an open letter to my own sense of identity as a queer person, as a black person, um, as a non-binary femme. Um, And that's kind of wrapped up in the title, Melanin Monroe. Like it's, you know, she's a melanated girl. She's very high glam. She's very like, it's very starry eyed. It's very romantic. Um, And... Yeah, it was kind of, it it was a process that took uh, years, really. I started working on it maybe my last year at Cal, UC Berkeley. Um, I started writing songs for it. I didn't know what it was going to be. I just, you know, I've I've been writing songs for a while, but all the songs that are on the project, like, stretch out for the past three years. Um, Actually... um, Week, which is one of the songs that kind of is like the standout song on the project I wrote is one of the first songs that I wrote and it's the most simplistic stripped down just me and the guitar I almost didn't even include it on the project um, 
but I'm really glad that I did. Mm-hmm. For me, it was an opportunity to kind of like be very, I don't know, expository, like very like reveal myself. And this is who my iteration of who I am and how I understand myself. I like to think of myself as kind of a self-portrait artist. Like a lot of my work is about turning the camera towards myself and kind of like trying to compose a sense of identity for people publicly. And so Melanin Monroe is that iteration of the self. It's, you know, it's a drag persona. It's a character. It's It encapsulates who I am and where I'm at. So for uh, it was a test in a way. It was kind of like to see how people responded to these different facets of, of my personality through my voice and through my music and how people responded to it. Um, and I'm really, yeah, I'm really happy with the response that it's gotten. And I'm really, really happy that the songs that people responded best to are the ones that I didn't really even need to put all that many bells and whistles on that at like my stripped down core, people really appreciated me and my voice. So boy, do I know it because I just, it's just so easy to put this album EP album on, on repeat. There are so many, like there are so many dancey moments. There are so many like literal fitness moments. Like I was telling yeah. you, like I was just like in my backyard, like doing like boxing shit to fitness oh. and just like really like feeling Bobby. myself. I just like, yeah, I just like love it so much. And when people listen to it, they will love it too. But Tell me, tell me more about that response, because I mean, one of, you know, and this is a question that we will get to a little bit later, but like you were the recipient of the Black Creators Fund and Halsey literally posted about you on Instagram. And I was like, holy shit, Freddie, like really doing it up. Like, what was that like? Like, what, what was the general response? And like, what, how are you? processing that at like so soon after releasing this amazing thing it's a lot to process (laughs) this year I mean we can't talk about it without talking about this year Mm -hmm. 2020 being garbage 2020 what it is (laughs) because it's just so because I've been planning on releasing it for 2020 April 20th that was the deadline that was the day that I was releasing it since long before, like since December, since about a year ago, um, I remember um, November, December, I was taking a hiatus from um, from performing and stuff. That's kind of when I re- re- normally do it. But I had this chip on my shoulder that I needed to put this project out because I didn't have a body of work out. I didn't have anything to show for it. So I wasn't a real artist. Um, so yeah, being able to put it out uh, was everything. And when the pandemic hit, the world like it just I was so shook I was so scared because I was like I can't perform anywhere anymore like I can't I can't promote my project anymore um but then I remembered that like I kind of am like a digital girl like I am a social media <laughs> and she's girl. a living she's a digital girl and she is in a digital, digital world <laughs> <laughs> um very that like so I just yeah, the response has been really good. I I got a lot of press for it. Um, the day that it was out, it was um, shared by the Bay Bridge, which is a local music blog. And then I went and I did like, I kind of had my own way of promoting it. Um, I did, I, I made my drag debut that month. So I did my first drag shows. And I was in this drag competition called Turbo Pageant. And so that was kind of like, all that stuff was happening as I was getting ready to release 
um, the project. And so I feel like I use the drag world as a kind of a vehicle to kind of like share my work with people. So that was a really good outlet for me. And that uh, was helped deliver a lot of response to people locally. Um, and then I went on like a little like trip to like uh, Tahoe after like I got cut from the competition. I was like, okay, I need a break. And then when I got back from the trip, I got like shared by them, which is this like big uh, yes. queer outlet yeah publication yeah um and that was amazing um so and you didn't reach out to them they just like posted i did okay 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 okay. i was like oh my god absolutely so the t is yeah so i wrote press releases which is i mean for me it was like it's exciting because it was like it was all work the whole way through i don't have a team or anything like that it's all just you so i had to write these press releases and all this stuff and it was so funny because it's like it's just this little eight and a half by 11 sheet with like a picture and like a little blurb. Yeah. And it was kind of like you're writing your personal statement for like the UCs. Totally. Uh, and so I was like, like got to get creative. And so I was sending it out and you don't know how people are going to respond to it, but it got a really good response. It got shared by a billboard. I was put on a billboard playlist. Oh my God. Um, so it was a really, it got a really good response. And then, yeah, the Halsey thing happened. Um, June happened is really what it was. It was kind of like everything was cute. I was getting a good response, but I think June and the uprisings, and this is what's really interesting about, I don't know, history and about um, the social political world that we live in is that, and this is where kind of like my activism comes into play, is that I use my my platform as someone, um, as a way to like elevate my voice and to like, ele- and elevate like messages of like, you know, uh, black and queer liberation, um and just kind of like all the different movements that are going on right now so when the uprising started to happen um i was kind of my work started to kind of get a little bit more elevated in a way so um i think that with all that happening that's kind of what prompted halsey to start the black creative funding initiative and a lot and she just happened to notice my project and so it that took it just like another notch up and it just kind of like kept going up and then we'll talk about, I know we're going to talk about um, the the video that I did, um, but that was kind of like, all that stuff just kind of got like wrapped up into that month. So I would say June just was such a month for me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And even that, the fact that you wrote press releases makes everything that much more impressive because you've just been putting so, so much work from every angle of this project and it really shows. And the fact that Halsey and, and other publications have posted about you and have wanted to uplift your music like doesn't only speak to the fact that your music is superb but it's the fact that you are an extremely hardworking, dedicated person who like really deserves this recognition uh so yeah I'm just so like I'm just so like tickled for you (laughs) like I'm very very happy for you but yeah let's let's talk about your new music video Juneteenth like tell me all about it tell me everything that was going on for like planning it how'd you like figure out what you wanted it to be and just like give me give me all the details yeah of course um planning that's really funny uh, <laughs> <laughs> what planning I'm, a platter. I'm very like I'm very like spontaneous what happened was so I I released the video on Juneteenth uh which is June 19th um so in like I said wrapped up in that month that was such the universe is so funny because it was like the hardest month of my life, but it was also the like 
the most rewarding month of my life. Yeah. It's things just happen parallel. They just, it's so weird. But um, what happened was, you know, with everything going on, and this wasn't even having anything to do with Halsey, like the Halsey thing happened that same week too, um, or oh like gosh. a few days later. But what happened was, um, with all the uprisings and stuff going on, uh, Nikki Jizz, shout to Nikki Jizz, she is, uh, she got named the best drag queen in the Bay Area from Ooh. 48 Hills. She's iconic. She's one of my favorite drag queens. I love, she's like a uh, family. Um, but she put together an all black uh, drag show called Reparations. And it was, the first show was on Juneteenth. So it was, originally it was just going to be just a show for Juneteenth. Um, this one event, kind of like a one-off thing. And it was in partnership with the stud. Come on, stud. <laughs> um, I'm repping hard. Um, but yeah, so I got asked to do that. And originally I was actually going to just sing and I was going to sing Strange Fruit. Uh, so what happened was I said that that was the song I was going to do. I was like, is anyone else doing this song? Because I was like, someone must be trying to do the song. No one responded. And then Monday happened. It was Monday of that week. And then Honey Mahogany who is one of the biggest queens in the Bay Area. She was on RuPaul's Drag Race. She was the first Bay Area queen of two that have been on RuPaul's Drag Race. And so she, all of a sudden, she's like, oh, actually, I'm going to do that song. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I was like, all right, well, I won't do that anymore. And so okay. I, what do I do? So I was like, I'm just going to write a rap. I'm going to write a song. Well, I was like, that was like the easiest, because I like, I overthink things. And I like, I don't know. It's easy. It's and that was the solution. Let me just start from scratch. It really is. It's so weird. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me either. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. Just rapping is just easy to just like, you just deliver it and then it's done. Because um, I think people appreciate rap as being just kind of this organic, spontaneous thing anyway. So I was like, let me just write this song. Love it. Um, and so I wrote it and I was really happy with it. I found a really great beat online. Um, I think the, the producer's name was Bracco. Um, and so I just like, it had this really great intro. I was looking for something that just like had that same feel that I was going for, um, which was like coming from like that strange fruit kind of vibe, which is like really like doing this, like, I don't know, different take on what Juneteenth is like about freedom and the question of like, are we even free? I was, I was reading a lot of, um, or watching a lot of videos about James Baldwin or interviews from James Baldwin at the time. So I was really in my like James Baldwin, we're not really free. These white liberals are just out to kill us and use us as political footballs tease. Um, so I was like really inspired to write this song. And then I, I, I wrote it on like a Tuesday, Wednesday. It was a, the video was due Thursday. I literally um, had a friend like lend me an American flag and then had another friend come over and film me Thursday morning I recorded it in one hour. Like, I was like, just like, I, I just had the tripod and I just had the friend like, like flick the, the light bulb back and forth. So it kind of like added a little bit of like an effect to it. Love and I it. thought I'm just doing it in one take. I did it in one take and I was like, that's it. But I'm going to do it again just in case. So I did it again. And so the second take, that was definitely it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that was it. And then I did like, there's no, I mean, not much editing needed. I just needed to overlay the vocals. Um, and then I sent it in. And on Juneteenth, it like, it was the response was amazing like I mean blew like, up it blew up like it didn't like for the for the event and for people who are watching the event it was really it was just like ground it, for, to them it was like groundbreaking um but like I mean it didn't go viral or anything but it's got a really strong response I will say like in terms of like tipping and stuff like that because and in drag that is important yes. like the tips 
delicious. I was <laughs> like, wow, that's like amazing. Like, I didn't think that that was possible. Fuck so, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. So it was just actually just a little video for a drag show. So that's, that's really what it was. It wasn't even like, though. like a video. It was just like a little, oh, let me come up with something for this event. Yeah, but, you know, it's not a little thing when you, like, when it's part of your identity and when yeah. you're, you know, you're performing and you're vulnerable. It's like every moment of that, even if it seems, like, inconsequential, is, like, totally important and really, like, adds to your story in a really meaningful way. Absolutely. It also, I think it was really therapeutic for me. Um, you know, the, it was it's a very heavy video. I don't like sharing it so much anymore. A lot of people want it for, like, their drag events and stuff, but... Um, like a lot of like white drag producers and I, my rule is not to share it really like that. I think that it, it was for a very specific context. And so it does actually like, even though I, the process of it was felt very like in the moment and like talking about, it, I'm kind of laughing, but like in the moment, my headspace was totally different than where I'm at. I was, I was drowning in like in pain and anxiety and depression and isolation. I was living with, um, you know, a house of straight white men predominantly, and they didn't even get it. So I was just like, in my own space, mm. and needing a space to be able to like, kind of like pour that out. And so it was very cathartic for me. Yeah. Do you feel like you've found that community in the drag community? Has that been like a really essential like place for you to find like, your people? Yeah, honestly, I feel I finally, like, I mean, for the first time in my entire life, like, I really do feel like I've, like, I've arrived. I've made it to, like, the place that I need to be. And, like, this does feel like home. Like, even though we're, like, isolated, I I finally feel like I have a community. And that's what this year really did give me. So, and it is, like, all these different drag performers who are just such lovely people. Like, they're fucking cool. Like, so, yeah. And they're so supportive. It's been really, really nice. That's so special. I'm really happy yeah. for you. And you deserve it. You deserve that happiness. Uh, okay, I want to know who are like your favorite queer singer songwriters, and who really inspires you to make the music that you make, to do the performances that you perform. Like, what I know that you said your influences from growing up are people like Tony Braxton and like other Mariah Carey. But in terms of more like mm -hmm. r folks who you more recently feel like you're like, oh, wow, that their music like really, really speaks to me. Or maybe it's a combination of those people still and new people. Absolutely. And it definitely is a combination of those people and new people. But the difference is, yeah, there I've finally like we're in an age where I get to finally see artists who look like me and who like are creating content for me specifically. And I don't have to imagine like what that looks like. And the beautiful thing, like I said about an artist is you can create something from nothing. So the art that I create is me imagining what it would look like if Tony Braxton was writing a song for me, or if, if Tony Braxton was me, if I was Tony Braxton. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, but you know, I, Kalayla is a huge um, creative influence for me, her music. Um, if you don't know, she's like an alternative R&B singer and she has these really lush productions. I believe she works with Arca a lot. So it's like a really kind of futuristic, but it actually found, sounds very throwback for me too. So that is that, like I said, like that Tony Braxton, it's like, it has that old school R&B sensibilities, but it sounds like it's for the future. And it's just, it's so amazing. Uh, I like, you know, <laughs> I'm a big fan of pop. So I love Kim Petras and Troye Sivan. So those are like the classic, like queer pop uh, people of the moment. 
But honestly, actually, a lot of the a lot of my influences in terms of queer artists are like people that I know, which is actually the cool thing is that the queer community isn't so uh, big. It's just, it's an even smaller world. So my friend Kenny Wu M I, who I did my first song with, No Angel. Um, he's a huge influence for me. He's like kind of, we have this really good, healthy relationship that's like semi-competitive. It's not like competitive, but it's like- You push each other. Yeah, we push each other and it's really beautiful. We're like sisters. Uh, We check in every week pretty much. And we're both, you know, he is, he's a lot more professional than I am. I'm like the chaotic mess and he's like, he's got it all together kind (laughs) of. Um, So he definitely helps kind of square me up a little bit. Um, but then other artists like Saturn, Rising, um, Guess, who um, is another person that I look to as like someone who's like kind of just a couple steps ahead of me in, in the way. And it's like it's kind of cool to just see people at different points in the journey and see where you've been and see where you're going and like start to feel like you're starting to be competitive and you're starting to like meet people where you didn't think you'd be able to meet them at. So, yeah. Incredible. Yeah. I I love that what you said about the queer community being like small enough where you have people who you're like friends with or like in community with that inspire you because I feel like for at least other like queer artists that I know there's there has been a lot of like pain and hardship and I think like when that's like a, an enormous strength about the queer community and queer friends is like their bonds together whether that be in like performance or activism or friendship like are incredibly powerful and like strong so I just find that like really beautiful and like really nice to see like you view like people that you know as people who like really really inspire you and push you and challenge you I just think that's really beautiful yeah and I mean for me my art an integral part of my art is building community so I never want to be, um, I honestly never want to be the first blah, 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 blah to do anything. Like I don't, whoever wants to be the first, they can be the first. I'll be the second or third. <laughs> I just want to do, create create amazing work. But I think that we as a community need to move past this era of I'm the first black drag this to win a that. You know what I'm saying? Because all that reads to me is that there's no one else there and you're by yourself. And mm. so individualism is really like kind of, uh, a component of of art that I think dominates the the music industry, um, and I kind of want to make it a part of my art to just like be able to build, bring people in, bring other Black queer artists in, and build actual connections with them. Because um, that's the only way that the art is really going to be meaningful for me and actually make mean like signify change. Um, I also forgot to mention I am inspired by a lot of drag performers as well. It's not Please, music. yeah. Um, so. In terms of them, um, there's a lot of the drag, like the, the RuPaul drags race girls, like, um, you know, Aquaria and Jada Essence Hall. Um, but then also the local kings and queens and things that deserve their props. Uh, like I said, Nikki Jizz, Cochina Rude, my drag mama, Mama Celeste. Um, yeah, so just wanted to share my appreciation for them as well. It's Militia. In- don't forget about militia yeah can't forget about militia (laughs) (laughs) very important very important shout out uh okay so you're also speaking of like change you're also an activist and you performed at a recent rally in the bay 
And I'm, well, you know, recent, what is time? Who knows? <laughs> Recent-ish. And how do you, how do you combine your music with your activism? Do you see them as complementary to each other? Or is that something that you feel like you've had to like build over time and combine them? Or has that always felt like a natural kind of like bridge for you? I have kind of two different answers to that. My first kind of simple answer in a way is that I see art is my activism. Like at least that's like how I like to see my, where I'm at now. Um, so it's not so much that like, how do I bring them together, but more so like, how do I use art as a form of activism? But my long, my more long-winded answer, cause I'm the queen of long-winded answers, <laughs> um, is that I have, before I even started to kind of like take myself seriously as a musician and put out a record and put out singles, I recognized that a lot of people appreciated my perspective and my voice in terms of my commentary on uh, the social political landscape since I was at UC Berkeley. So that's something that I have always kind of, that's always been a component of who I am and how I've like shared myself with the world. And so... I think part of what has like elevated my art and me as an artist and an activist is my ability to kind of like uh, artfully share my political perspective through social media. Um, so I think about, and like I said, like, you know, like my music, my drag and my activism kind of are all married. So I think about, and, and also, like I said, I'm a self-portrait artist. I think about uh, June 1st, I put out a photo, it was a selfie, or it was like a photo someone took of me for Halloween the year before, I was dressed as a Black Panther in drag, um, and it was a really, it's, I mean, it's a gorgeous photo, I will it say. It really is. You know what I'm talking about? I okay. do. <laughs> but it, it, it somehow blew up, like it, it like blew up, like this was before Halsey, this was before like anything like in my music career that felt like it was like, oh wow, I like made it, it was this other thing that had to do with me kind of taking... Um, advantage of the moment and taking hold of the moment and offering political perspective and imagery that um, could move people and could influence people and shape people and shift people. So that was me kind of like tying in my art and my activism and using like my, you know, even like, like I said, drag is political and visual art and like how I present myself to the world and share myself with the world is political. I would say that when I, like that photo is like felt, it was like the first time I felt like I, like was representing myself in real time to the world mm. um so that's yeah that's really moving that's really beautiful mm -hmm. so i'm really hoping like moving forward um that i'm able to further elevate that process of like sharing my like political perspective with the world um in a more artful and curated and um intentional way rather than just like a facebook rant or like a, a tweet you yeah. know what We'll be, we're over the tweets. The tweets are cute. Like, let's get some. <laughs> let's, let's move some forward. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. How do you envision that participation or like leadership from you? Do you envision that being like, you know, like maybe like poetry or like in film or like you would you want to be an author? Like what other kind or just is it continuing to do the work that you're doing, whether that be, you know, talking on stages during rallies or, you know, speaking engagements or just continuing music or drag? Like how do you envision furthering that activism and political conversation? Well, it's like with the Juneteenth video. It's like, you know, it's going to be it's it's just 
tying it all together in a more seamless fashion. Um, I, I don't know what the future holds. I could write like poetry. I could write a book. I could um, uh, do any number of things. But for me, like where I'm seeing myself moving forward is I'm a musician. I'm a performer. Um, drag is always going to have a component within my art. Um, so it's just kind of being able to very sophisticatedly bring the politics and the message that I have or the messages that I have for the world more front and center and more woven into my overall body of work. Because Melanin Monroe, it isn't, it's political in that it exists, you know? Totally. Um, but it's not political in the Freddie, like, let me tell you the situation, the tea, like, <laughs> let me break it down for you type way. And so, you know, Juneteenth was really exciting for me because that was a, <laughs> this is not to sound like really like extra or braggadocious, but it was like a thesis for me. It was like very like, it was very didactic. It was very like, like I said, I, bro I borrowed from a lot of James Baldwin. So being able to like turn James Baldwin into a rap song, like for people to kind of like get, like that's the type of work that I want to do. I want to create content that like is a lot more available and accessible to people without it being this like high academic kind mm -hmm. of ivory tower shit. <laughs> Completely. Yeah. I really, really align with that, especially as like a public health person and a sex educator that like mm -hmm. messaging really aligns with me of like, <clears throat> you can share as much as you want to like, academics and to the people who can get in the room but it won't mean anything unless you can make it accessible to the masses and really ensure that people can gain information knowledge and same thing with art like if people don't really have access to it or you know it's not as elevated because of you know the things that someone is talking about compared to other things that are more you know mainstream or what what have you um, or yeah. if, you know, certain people don't want to take political stances, like, or whatever, mm -hmm. um, then it makes it a lot more challenging to get it to people yeah, who, exactly. like, really need it. And, yeah, that kind of brings me to my last question, and you are incredibly insightful, and uh, <laughs> I've really, really liked learning from you, and I've loved chatting with you, but I'm, I'm wondering if you could give advice to, like, a young queer artist who kind of in the beginning of this conversation, we were talking about, Oh, like, you know, people can do the thing that they want to do. They can perform, but they're like really nervous or, you know, maybe they're just like not sure what to write about or not sure like what their voice quite looks like yet. What kind of advice would you give to young artists kind of seeking to, to follow in someone like your footsteps? That's a great question. <laughs> um, yeah. Wow. That's a really good question. I would say, and it's also, it's a question for myself still because, um, you know, how do I show up as an artist? Because I'm not a hundred percent sure of myself. Um, I honestly, I just spiraled yesterday. So <laughs> been you know, there. it's like, <laughs> been there, done that. <laughs> um, I would just say for me, um, for any young queer artist who is wanting to take that first step, um, just show up. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not about, um, and I, I had, I've had to do a lot of work of kind of like breaking down the perfectionist in me of like needing to show up perfectly and in a very curated manner or else I don't show up at all. Um, imperfection is hot. Like it's, it's really where, like where the money is. It's, and I don't mean money like in a capitalistic, I just mean, it's really where like 
the meat and potatoes are of it all. It's, you know, being able to accept your imperfections and just be there in the space at all is the win. It's, it is 80% of the work. Like this, because it's something that you're going to have to do no matter what level you get to. It's like, you know, for me, I, I always second guess myself. I'm like, okay, I put out Melanin Monroe and I did all these things. Now I have to do this next thing. And this next thing needs to be so good that it's just undeniable. And then so I, then I get in my head so much pressure. And I'm like, Oh, it's gotta be perfect. And then I get in my head of like what it needs to be. And then I'm like, no, people really do appreciate me just being here. Um, and just being here allows me the opportunity to improve organically, not think in my head, how do I improve without even trying? So I would say it's really just showing up every day. Um, and really just checking having that dialogue with yourself, like clearing out all of the clutter, like, um, so that you can really have an idea of what it is that you really want to do, like for, for you and not for anyone else. How many different ways do you think I can say the word lube in 30 seconds? Let's give it a shot. Lube, lube, lubey, 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 lube, lube, L to the U to the B to the E, lube. Well, that was lubes. I mean, loads of fun. This phenomenal and very necessary lube break was brought to you by Uberlube. Use promo code SEXEDDB for 10% off your purchase with free shipping at www.uberlube.com. Sex Ed with DB is supported by Clonawilly. Clonawilly has been all about dick since 96, and all kits are hand-assembled in Portland, Oregon. All materials are 100% body safe, extremely high quality, and easy to use and clean. Use promo code SEXED20 for 20% off your purchase of any Clonawilly or Clonapussy kit at www.clonawilly.com. Follow them on IG at Kit. Sex Ed with DB is supported by Emojibator. Emojibator believes in humor and education to promote a society that celebrates pleasure. Their fun and affordable collection of vibrators is inspired by the sexiest of emojis. That means eggplants, chili peppers, bananas, and pickles. Oh my! They even have a line of adorable animal toys like a kitty cat, chicky, and whale that do a whole bunch of naughty things. Find all of their body safe toys for pleasure at emojibator.com and use code SEXEDWITHDB for 25% off your purchase. Our creator, co-producer, sound engineer, and host is me, Danielle Bezalow, AKA DB. Our co-producer and communications lead is Katherine Cohen. Our main logo and banner graphic were created by Andrea Forgotch. Our social media intern is Leslie Lopez. Our music theme is by Hook Sounds. Our ad music is by my stepdad, Bill Gant. Thank you so much to our featured guests, partners, and our listeners. If you're interested in advertising with us, email us at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. For more sex ed content, follow us on Insta at sexedwithdbpodcast. Tune in next time.